Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. One more time in Numbers 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 13.27. You know, they call worry like being in a rocking chair. You move around a lot, but you get absolutely nowhere. You just worry, 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 worry. What if, what if, what if, what if? You know, they've done surveys and they talk about how much of what we worry about actually comes to pass. It's a very small percentage. And the percentage of things that come to pass that we worry about, we can't control anyway. So the question is, why do we worry? (laughs) But we worry because it's just human to worry. And so... They said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. (laughs) It looks like Moses is going to be replaced. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. I would have been, I would have done something different, but man, these are godly guys. They fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes in disgust. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, verse 9. Do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. This is faith. Their protection has been removed from men, from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Some of you need to mark that tonight. Do not fear them. But all the congregations said to stone them with stones. We don't like those people, they're too spiritual. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. See, the Lord appears at strategic times in history. And Here's what happened. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? And then once again, God says, I'm going to take them out and make a great nation of you. (laughs) There's another intercession moment here. I mean, imagine if you were God. How many things do I have to show you? Until you trust me. Back to Genesis 12 and we'll finish it up. So Abram's journeying, but it's not easy. And you get the call and you get excited and you respond to the call. And then you run into some giants and then you start questioning the call and God and you. Did you get the right guy? Were we communicating clearly? Did I hear you right? Anybody been there before? Am I supposed to be here? There's giants in the land. There's no reception party. What should we do now? You know, the journey, a life of faith, is a life that's going to be stretched. You won't grow unless you are stretched. Can't get back to my slide. You will not grow 
unless you are stretched. But nobody likes to be on the rack. Amen? I'd like to be taller, but the rack still doesn't sound like much fun. But God stretches our faith. Why? To make us more usable, to help us walk into the promises. So look at verse 8, chapter 12. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel. He pitched his tent, Genesis 12, 8, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Here's Abram. Um, another critical moment in verse 7. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead for a second, but go back to verse 7. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him at a strategic time facing giants. The Lord appeared. He did that for Paul. He did that in other cases. He appeared and reiterated the promise, and God will do that for us at strategic times in our life. And then he moved on, and twice he built an altar. He built an altar in verse 7. He built an altar in verse 8. What's an altar? An altar is a place of worship. It's a place to call upon the name of the Lord, but it's also a place of remembrance. It's almost like Abram was marking the territory for God. Do you know that when we look at Abram's life, it doesn't appear that he built a tower. It doesn't appear that he built a city. But it appears that Nahor, his brother, built a city in Genesis 24.10. But Abram didn't. The one thing that Abram built was altars, several altars in several locations. What a beautiful picture of his life. He built altars, places of worship, places that would last beyond his lifetime. And when you build altars in different locations, you build altars in the generation to come. You see, what's really going to last is not things, but people. And if you want to make altars to the Lord, one of the ways that you do that is by sharing your faith. Because the next generation needs to know of the goodness of God. The fact that he called upon the name of the Lord could be translated that he was publicly proclaiming the Lord or the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, verse 9. There's the journey. And he continued toward the Negev. So he's heading now towards the desert regions. Now, not only was there giants in the land, there was what? Look at verse 10. There was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the, the famine was severe in the land. So he faces giants and then a famine. So you respond to God's call, and what do you get? Giants and starvation. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what the preacher promised. If you come forward, Jesus is going to bless your life. And then you get giants and famine. David Hawking told a story many years ago. He said his family, he went into full-time ministry by faith. He left everything behind. And he said they were running low on food, so low that he had a, his little child in, their, in the high chair, and he had cut up the last hot dog that they had to give to the little kid. 
And he said he was so angry and frustrated with God, he said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Why? And he left the hot dog there, and he went bursting out the front door and tripped over several bags of groceries that someone had left on his front porch. And that's sometimes what God does. And Abram, you know, he's got possessions. He's got folks with him, but there's famine. And sometimes we feel like, Lord, I've followed you. You ever been here before? I'm trying to be faithful to you, and I keep hitting hardship after hardship. What are you doing? And the Lord stretches, and he stretches us, and he teaches us to live by faith. And so he goes to Egypt, down to the south. So if you look back up at the map, uh, this is the natural place to go. If you're in Canaan and there's problems, you're just going to go down to the Nile region where there's always productivity and always food. Ancient writers used to say, whenever people were in trouble here, they'd go down here. And we see that later on in our Bible as well. So you'll read some commentaries and people say, Egypt's a, a type of the world and Abram made a mistake. He should have never gone down there. In the time of famine, he should have trusted God. That was the logical thing to do, but was it the spiritual thing? There's no record that he asks God. There's no record that he seeks the Lord. He just goes down there, which seems logical, but was it the right thing to do? And one scholar I read this week said he didn't believe it was an overt sin of Abram. Abram didn't sin against God as much as he forgot God. And there's many times in our lives where we do the practical, logical thing. Well, this is what everybody else does when there's famine in Canaan. You go down to Egypt, and we tend to forget the Lord. Sometimes in our business practices, sometimes when we're going through a test. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, we'll move quickly through this last section. See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. By the way, ladies, Sarai's 65. And she's a beauty. This gives hope to all of us, does it not? 65. And he says, honey, you got it going on. You're a beautiful lady. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into this land of Egypt, and they're going to see you. And this is going to be a problem for me. And that's really what really matters. <laughs> and it will come about when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. And that doesn't sound too good to me. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, that I might may live on account of you. Honey, please just do this for me. <laughs> now, technically, Sarai was Abram's half-sister. So this was a half-lie. And you all know that half-lies are much more acceptable than full lies. Amen? No? How many of us do that, though? We say, well, it was... It was, <laughs> it was 40%. It was a, 
half. If, if it's 51, are we good? You get past the 50 percentile truth, error, lie. He said, this is what we need to do. And it came about when Abram came into Egypt 14, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And Pharaoh's officials saw her, praised her to Pharaoh. Remember, there's a big group with Abram, so they're not going to sneak into town. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. There's a debate as to what happened here. Was it into his harem? Well, they say in history that if you came into like a harem situation, there was a time that went by before you went through processes and, and finally got to the monarch. So there's, even though it's possible that something happened here, most scholars say we don't think there was any shenanigans between the Pharaoh and Sarai. In fact, I think we're going to see how God stops it. So, therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake. Notice this, Abram's thinking, this is awesome. Half, half lies, half truths. He gave him sheep, 16, oxen, donkeys, male and female servants, and just recently domesticated, according to historians, female donkeys and camels. Camels is what I was after. Just recently domesticated, very valuable. It's like getting a couple Porsches and a BMW. And was like, this apparently lies can be profitable. <laughs> However, do you know that even though he got all these possessions, these possessions that he was to add to his wealth created the problem between him and Lot later. And that's why... Part of the reason they divide and Lot gets in all that trouble. And so we think, oh, hey, hey, hey man, I'm getting, I'm getting bennies here, baby. You know, the, they said in the church, don't lie, but look, I got, a, I got a nice new red sports car here. But you know where that leads you? You may get instant gratification. You may get stuff. But you may not like how that turns out. And so the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. The Hebrew construction speaks of the severity of the plagues. And there are many who believe it's something like boils or skin diseases because of Sarai, Abram's wife. It could be this. Maybe it was Sarai's time in the rotation from the harem to the king. And before anything happened, I think the Lord said, Zoop! <laughs> What's going on? And you might say, well, I know the end of the story and I know there, he's going to go to Abram and he's going to say, why did you do this to me? How did they know? And it may be that Sarai was the one person in Pharaoh's house that didn't get the boils or the disease. And they looked at her and went, Oh, you know, like Israel, when they were in Egypt and how the plagues only happened to the Egyptians and the Israelites were kept from those things. And remember, all of this is a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the land of Egypt, because this family is going to multiply in the land and a later Pharaoh is going to experience 10 plagues. And finally, he's going to say, okay, go. 
For a while he says, oh no, you can't go. Then he says, please go and take some jewels with you. And so the pagan pharaoh called Abram, probably filled with oozing boils or something like that. And he says, what is this that you have done to me? <laughs> Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? It all came out in the wash and that's how every half lie and quarter lie happens. It ultimately finds us out. And he said, why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. <laughs> How you like this? Take her and go. Take her back, please. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away <laughs> with his wife and all that belonged to him. No uh, punishment, no retribution. Just please leave because the hand of your God is heavy upon me. And this whole scene of uh, the Lord's protection over the family of Israel uh, is borne out some years later as they sojourned down there. And they ultimately sojourned down there because of a famine and Joseph's story will be later in the book of Genesis and Joseph elevates to leadership and then a pharaoh arises that did not know Joseph and then he attempts to wipe out the children of Israel and then God's mighty hand comes through a later leader named Moses and Moses becomes the deliverer and the last plague that falls upon Pharaoh's household is a plague of the death of the, remember? firstborn of both human and animal. And the people that are protected from that final plague that will ultimately cause Pharaoh to release his grip is people who are covered by the blood of a lamb. And that blood must be applied on the doorposts and the lentil. lentil. And some people have said that makes a sign of a cross, and I'll let you decide if you believe that or not, but it's pretty cool. It sealed the door. The place where covenants happened was in the threshold of a dwelling, and the door is a picture of um, God's protection and passing through, and so the door is sealed with the blood to protect from judgment, and God protects the people of Israel and Egypt, there's a great cry in Egypt that night, and there's not one household where somebody's not dead. And as Israel goes out in conquest by God's mighty hand, they didn't do anything but just trust in the Lord. The Egyptians, were told in the Old Testament, are digging graves for their dead while the Israelites are going out to meet God the power of Almighty God. A foreshadowing of this in the life of Abram, but this is our story. And here's where I want to end. Ours is a faith journey. And we're going to have a call. You all have a call in your life if you're a Christian. We're supposed to respond to the call and walk in a faith journey. But ultimately, our release comes from the blood of the Lamb. 
And we don't want to go and settle in Egypt or go halfway to Haran. Not partial obedience, not half lies. We want to follow the Lord fully. And he will take us safely home one day into his heavenly kingdom. And we're to trust him. Even when life is hard and confusing, and there's famines and giants, and you're faced with pharaohs, and you wonder what's going to happen. And then how many of you can say over and over, God intervened in my life? He intervened in surprising, unexpected ways because he loves you and because he's for you. Would you bow in prayer? Father, thank you so much for this wonderful text. And there's many lessons about faith here. Faith is the substance of things not seen. And we want to we wanna walk by faith. We're told in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. But with faith, all things are possible. When our faith is directed towards the true God, not a faith in things that can't deliver, but a faith in the true God, then all things become possible. And thank you for Abram's journey. Thank you for the hope that he was imperfect, yet you still honored his life. And we're going to make our errors and we're going to make our missteps, Lord, but we want to follow you fully. We want to be people of honor, people who reflect the goodness of our God. Help us, Lord, to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to know this is a marathon, not necessarily a sprint, but let us, let us run the race with endurance as we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you keep your head and your soul bowed before God? How would he have you respond to this message tonight? Where do you find yourself in the story? Where do you see yourself in the little uh, signposts that we followed? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to him fully? Have you trusted his death and resurrection for your salvation? Have you entered into a relational trust with him? If you want to do that tonight, now's the time. The devil will tell you tomorrow. The Bible says now. Now's the acceptable time. So would you open your heart at something like this? If it's you and you're not sure if you died tonight, God forbid, if you died tonight, you'd be in heaven. Make sure. You can know. And it's something like this. I would encourage you to pray it out loud right where you are. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I want to know you, and I want to walk with you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead, and I receive you as my personal Savior and my Lord. Please show me your ways. Teach me to walk with you in spirit and in truth. Maybe you're a prodigal tonight. Maybe... You're that person with that call and you've resisted it. You parked in Haran, but you want to head to Canaan, even if you have to face some giants and famine and pharaohs. 
Just ask the Lord to help you to get moving in his direction. And then, Father, for this precious congregation, thank you for who they are. Thank you for their passion for the gospel. Thank you for all the great things you're doing in and through their lives. Bless them richly, Lord, so that they might be a blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him. And they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation suit up putting on the full armor of god it's now available on amazon i want to get this book in your hands because i believe it's going to help you as a christian to walk in strength to know how to put on the armor daily to put on the lord jesus christ and make no provision for the flesh and to experience more victory in your christian life right now you can get it on amazon it's suit up by pastor michael lance i would urge you to get the book today If you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org. Or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92880. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Michael, and I wanted to invite our wonderful listening family out to a special radio day at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's going to be on Sunday, May 21st. We're going to have a radio booth. We're going to have food and giveaways. And if you've been listening for a while and you're curious about the fellowship here in Corona, May 21st would be a great day to come on out. Bring the family out. I'll be at the radio booth and I would love to meet you. The service times are 9 and 11, 15 a.m. And information and directions can be found at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Look forward to seeing you on May 21st. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.